Welcome to another episode of Stay Paid. I'm Joshua Stike along with Luke Acree. And our guest today is someone that we've had an opportunity to kind of follow. We've been following this, uh, this guy for a while, this company for a while, Jimmy Mackin with Curator. We're really going to get into this topic of how to create content and why you should be creating content for yeah, your business. A prolific content a prolific creator. prolific content creator, Jimmy yeah. Said. I mean, Jimmy's literally, him and Chris Smith over at Curator, I mean, they generate millions of leads a year yeah. for probably both their business, but mainly for their, their clients, right? So these people are, are these people, Jimmy is an expert at generating leads and doing it with content. And so we get into the different platforms, we get into strategies, especially if you're a real estate agent, how do you compete with Zillow and Realtor.com? And what does that mean? Where do you need to shift? Privacy law changes. Really, really interesting interview. Before we introduce Jimmy, we would love it if you take a minute to subscribe to Stay Paid on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you haven't already and leave a review to let us know how we're doing. This week's featured review comes from Mini Makes It via Apple Podcasts. Mini Makes It says, great, free, actionable content. Five stars. I've been listening for years but I use Overcast and have never really got a chance to come here on <laughs> Apple Podcast and leave a review. So I guess Overcast is like another podcast uh, platform. Josh and Luke work so well together. The guests just keep on getting better. Lots of golden nuggets. Thanks so much. Mini makes it for leaving that review on Apple Podcast. If you leave a review, we'll read it here on the show uh, and really appreciate the support. Now let's get into this week's interview. From Reminder Media, this is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business. Hosted by the VP of Marketing, Josh Stake, and Reminder Media's president, Luke Akery. So get ready to hear the golden nuggets that will allow you to live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. Our guest today is Jimmy Mackin. He is the CEO of Curator, which is a full-service digital marketing company focused on helping listing agents get more listings. In 2019, Jimmy co-authored the best-selling book, Exactly What to Say for Real Estate Agents, and he hosts the hit podcast, Water Cooler, with over 115 episodes and 8.5 million minutes watched. The show is a go-to resource for anyone in the real estate industry looking to grow their business in today's digital landscape. Jimmy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, fellas. I'm looking forward to sharing some advice and some lessons with your audience and hopefully put them in a position to help them grow their businesses. I love that, man. Appreciate it. I, I shared with you before you came on. For everybody's listening, I've been following Jimmy and Chris for, for a long time. The water cooler, everything that they've been doing on Curator. Actually, you know, as Josh and I have grown Reminder Media, they are someone that we've been looking at. And like what you guys do with content, you know, we've learned a ton from you guys and tried to apply it with our podcast and what we're doing. So super excited and thankful to have you on. But I'd love for you to share a little bit of your story, right? How you guys started Curator, uh, what you're doing today. Obviously, it's been a long road um, and bring us up yeah. to kind of where you're at. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's funny. Uh, Chris and I have known each other for over a decade, and we we got connected. It was it was uh, we got connected because we were both writing about and talking about the same thing. Uh, you know, we were both very passionate about the future of marketing real estate. We saw an opportunity to introduce a new voice into the space. We found that a lot of the coaching, a lot of the advice, a lot of the tactics that we saw uh, at the you know 2010, 2011 was really all about how do you adapt your traditional real estate tactics 
online. And what we recognized early on was that was a very bad idea. You need to sort of embrace the medium and think about marketing from an entirely different perspective. So it wasn't about how do you translate you know, a direct mail campaign and turn that into a social strategy. It's really about how do you use these technologies and these tools and these platforms to connect with consumers in new ways. So Chris and I, uh, you know, we had a chance to tour the country. Uh, uh, very thankful to Brad Inman and the team over there at Inman News for giving me a shot because you know I certainly didn't deserve one at the time. Uh, and I had a chance to spend you know uh, a lot of time with him, get to know each other. We toured twenty plus cities across the wow. country, and uh, from there we just uh, I, I think I got my PhD guys and like what it really means to be a real estate agent. I got I, I really began to appreciate how hard their job really is. Mm. And then from there, we decided that, you know, it was time for us to to build something that we felt could really represent our belief system. You know, that there is a better way to market your business and there's a way to attract business so you don't have to chase it. Uh, but we had to put our money where our mouth was and actually build the company around that philosophy. Let's talk about some of those digital marketing strategies, because even looking back 2010, 11 years, man, so much has changed even in that amount of time. What are you seeing right now in terms of approaching your marketing strategy from this digital native world? Yeah, well, I think there's a, a few very important lessons for your audience, guys. Uh, the, the first, the need to become a prolific content creator is more important than ever before. Mm. With the amount of mediums you can connect with a consumer, meaning whether you're reaching them through TikTok, through Instagram, through Facebook, through your email list, through Twitter, through LinkedIn, or just attracting them through SEO or getting them to discover you through your blog, like you have got to be in the game of creating content. You know, I tweeted this earlier today, I think the industry as a whole has been so dependent on real estate search and we've used it as a crutch. And this crutch has really inhibited our ability to think creatively about how to build an audience in this space. So if you think about the traditional playbook guys uh, in real estate marketing, it goes something like this. I'm going to buy a website, you know, I'll rent a website from a provider that has some search tool in it. And uh, I will buy some Google ads or some Facebook ads. I will drive the consumer to a search results page. I'll let them look at a few pages and then I'll force them to give me their information. Upon doing so, 95, 97% of people will bounce off the page and a few will sort of like suffer through the process of entering in their name, their phone number, their email. And then what happens afterwards is an agent will begin to call that lead over and over and over again in hopes of getting them on the phone into booking an appointment. Mm. And that basically sums up the digital marketing strategy that virtually every single person in the industry has at least tried once or is currently doing today. Now, I believe, Chris believes, we at Curator believe that if you want to win in 2021 and beyond, guys, you have to attract. You cannot chase. And, and here's why. If you look at the trends, and you were asking earlier, uh, Josh, about trends. If you think about the trends for a second, what are some of the important trends we should be paying attention to? One of those trends is the rise of privacy, meaning consumers are now having the ability to control what they share, who they share with, when they share it with, more than they have ever before in the past. I'm not, not sure if you guys saw that Apple campaign recently, yep. where there was a guy who was like walked into a room and he had all these people following around and he was able to sort of like disappear everybody by just changing his privacy settings. And like, this is 
like there's a, there's a stake in the ground now, which mm. is like we are entering into the age of privacy, which means annoying people is no longer a viable marketing strategy. <laughs> so I, there's more, more I can dive into there, guys. But I think fundamentally, that's the first thing for us to sort of shine a light on for your audience is saying, hey, this is what's changing. And if you're paying attention to the world, it's as obvious as it could possibly be. So I want to explain that. And, and maybe, and I, I know you can explain it even more, but for everyone that's listening, it's not quite sure what that means. Right now, like Apple had one of the biggest releases in terms of privacy, where they've always had this privacy setting buried within settings on your iPhone. Mm-hmm. But now every time you open a new app um, and, and open it, you know, if you haven't op- used an app in a while, open it now, it's going to say, uh, would you like to allow this app to track your your browsing history or what you're doing mm-hmm. within the app? And, and all the marketers cry. I think it's like 5% of people <laughs> so far have actually opted into allowing because the natural thing is, no, don't track me. Yeah. Of course, I wouldn't want that. Yeah. Now, what that's preventing, and maybe you can go into more detail, that that's preventing some of these platforms from being able to track you around and say, oh, you looked at a pair of shoes last night. I'm now going to show you 18,000 ads for shoes. Yeah, well... <clears throat> You know, Luke's right. Every, as a marketer, as an advertiser, I cried a little bit. When happened, right? <laughs> we did it, too, it, man. It was, we did too. It was, <laughs> it was uh, you know, it, I, I remember the golden age of Facebook where before HUD came down and before they had all their changes to targeting, you could drop a pin on the map, target someone by every single demographic data you want to, to serve your ad to the right person at the right time. And, and it was, in a lot of ways, the golden age of Facebook advertising and Google for that matter was very similar in a lot of ways, but they're obviously adjusting as well. Uh, this change, this change actually has a profound impact in, in the way we think about marketing. Mm. And, and, and the way I think about this is that you first have to earn people's attention and, earn, and you have to be able to keep it. And you, so, so you can't just normally in the past, we would be able to get really sophisticated and clever with how we would target. So we can sort of have all these built-in assumptions about our audience and therefore deliver somebody an ad that we felt was relatively relevant based on their attributes of the demographic. Well, now you have to take people down sort of this self-discovery journey where you have to serve them content where you reach the masses. That's call it generic and, uh, or I shouldn't say generic. It's really more like mass appeal, right? Mm -hmm. And, And then from there, you have to create experiences with your marketing that allow somebody to explore more or dig deeper. And through that action or that process, now we begin to learn a little bit more about that individual in hopes of either serving them more content or, you know, uh, pushing them over to our sales team. If you don't have these paths, these journeys, or in the marketing world, you guys know this already, like these funnels built out, uh, it becomes it becomes the sales team's job to do your marketing. And that's mm. a very expensive proposition. So I, I'm a big believer in this idea that content marketing is the future. Uh, I think the, the, the fact that all these changes are happening with uh, Google with cookies, Facebook with iOS or Apple with iOS 14, Facebook with the changes of targeting, they're all basically pushing us to the same place, which is you have to become a prolific content creator to build an audience. And then you can monetize that audience through just thought leadership and getting people to opt in to want to connect with you to get more information. Translate that down to the individual real estate agent, right? So what what should they be creating 
in terms of content to begin to build that audience and create that experience that you're talking about? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, Before I talk about the content plan, if I could, I want to talk about how to think about content marketing the right way. Um, When you think about content marketing, one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they're getting started is they don't set up their marketing inputs. Now, what I mean by marketing input is a resource that can act as a source of inspiration to fuel your content marketing plan. Mm. So marketing input, in in, in my case, would be... I I look at Zillow Research, Redfin Research. Uh, I have a whole series of blogs and Twitter accounts that I follow. Uh, I uh, I subscribe to my friends over at 1000Watt. They have this new uh, service called 1000Watt Inside that provides incredible insight about the consumer... Pro, you know, uh, uh, these prop tech companies and, That's you awesome. know, a, a face, yeah, it's like a Facebook group with amazing, amazing thought leaders in the space. So I have like, if you can imagine for a second, I had this bucket of resources that I tap into to get inspiration. And then once I find something that like piques my interest, then I think about how do I translate that into content for my audience, people who are top producing real estate agents who want to grow their business. And there's a framework you can use to help with this. And this is the can I, how do I, or excuse me, it's can I, should I, how do I framework? So you can break this up in a couple of different ways. Let's start with should I. Should I sell my house when the market is as hot as it is today? If home values are increasing, Shouldn't I just wait, mm. right? Can I sell my house if I haven't been able to find a new home to move into? How do I buy and sell at the exact same time? So you can take this, this, this idea of like, let me get some really interesting data points around what's happening in the real estate industry because I've organized my marketing inputs. And let me use the should I, can I, how do I framework to think about content marketing ideas that would resonate with my audience. And so I think for I think for anyone who's listening today if you're thinking about getting started in this space, what I would be thinking very deeply about is like what are the pain points and the problems and the frustrations that your customers mm-hmm. are experiencing today. You know, I think I think there's so many people out there guys, especially when it comes to the seller market that we're in, there's so many people out there who are who are frustrated, who are confused, who are overwhelmed, and there's such a, a void of information coming out of our industry. And I believe if an agent can step up and start answering these tough questions and doing it the right way, man, I, I think magic can happen. I love that, man. That's actually the first time I've heard about that framework. I really like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that for myself. And <laughs> I should I? Have, I think right. the most important <laughs> one there is should I? Yeah, should I? But uh, here's my yes. question for you: Is okay? So you got the content inspiration, you got the content framework. What platform should you choose, right? Because you know, I, I literally was in our social media meeting today that we have once a month. And Josh is laughing, banging his head on because I literally said I was like, man, social media is like one of the most frustrating things. And this is me as a marketer. So hopefully, you know, if you're in the audience frustrated as well, hey, no, you have camaraderie because you got Mm -hmm. everything, Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, all these things that you're trying to accomplish. What's your advice? Where should people go? What are you seeing? What are you not seeing? And give us your little take on 
that. Yeah. Well, it's listen, it's, it's uh, like your frustrations are, are, are what every marketer experiences, right? Uh, it's the, the, the overwhelming sense that you're not doing enough. You're not, you're not promoting your business enough. You feel like you're falling behind. You look at people who are doing it, who are prolific content creators. You're saying, how the hell do people do it this well? So consistently, you know, I look at someone like Tom Ferry, who's a, a friend and a mentor and someone who I have tremendous respect for. And he is just a, a absolute machine. Yeah. I mean, this guy produces so much content that he is essentially everywhere all of the time. And so, you know, this is what I refer to as the monday.com strategy, monday.com, the project management tool that's now, you know, a unicorn. They sort of implemented this like absolute all out blitz strategy. And Tom has been executing it brilliantly for, for a very, very long time. He's first on platforms and he's prolific. He's everywhere all the time. Here, here's my advice on this. Cause there is a way to do this the right way. And I'll answer your question in a roundabout way, but I will answer your question. One of the ways to do this is to think about starting with writing long form content. Hmm. Now, right. And this is to me, one of the, one of the secret sauces to becoming a, a content uh, or just a, a marketer, a really good marketer saying, I'm going to challenge myself to write, you know, thoughtful pieces every single week as a way to try to explain to the world what's happening in the industry and what you should be aware of. And, and some of the, some of the changes that are coming that maybe impact your, your decision. Now, what you can do is once you create that content, whether you publish it or not, you now have just created your entire social media output for that week, maybe that month. And so what I tend to do, and this is, this is a pro tip for you guys, is I, I obviously don't want to waste any time creating content my audience doesn't care about. So one of the easiest ways for me to get some feedback is to post things either on Facebook or on Twitter. And based off of people's reaction to whatever I'm posting, I will go deeper and write a long form article about that particular topic. Once I write that article, so follow me here, I'm tweeting, I'm posting on Facebook, I'm seeing how people are reacting. Once I, I get sort of that positive feedback, right? The universe is saying, this is interesting. I then turn the corner and do a, an in-depth research on that particular topic. You know, find news sources, find articles, find trends, find stats, find stories. I write a piece about that particular content. Then I use that content to fuel all my micro content, whether that's IG stories, IG reels, right? TikTok, uh, more tweets, more posts on Facebook, email marketing. I'm using the content that I've already validated in a small way through just Facebook or Twitter. I'm using that content and I'm putting out bite-sized pieces, right? So as an example, if I wrote a thousand word article about the future of lead generation, I might take one piece of that article and shoot a 30 second Instagram reel that will get 5,000 views, right? On, uh, on my Instagram profile. Um, but I've already done the work. I've already written the script because I've already wrote the article. And so I, 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 it's, con it's connected. And I know, I know this might be hard for your audience to, to sort of wrap their head around, but that cohesiveness between validation, doing the work, 
And then distribution is how you can start to ramp up your content creation significantly in a really efficient way. I'm CEO of a, of a marketing company that's 50 plus people. I don't have time all day long to be writing and tweeting and posting. I got things I got to do. <laughs> and so I had to come up with a system that was really efficient for me so I can still be out there, promoting the brand, and the exact same time, you know, running the business um, that relies on me to, you know, keep the train moving here. So I hope that makes sense. I'm happy to answer any follow questions, but that's, that's how I approach it. I have to ask you this question only because you brought up reels. I was looking at your reels and it's been something that's been frustrating me because we'll see such inconsistency in views. And since you brought up the 5,000 views, like yours started at like 1700 views and have consistently risen to 5,000. There's been no dips. I'm looking at ours. I'll get one with 2,500. Then I'll get one with yeah. 400 Then I'll get one with 2,200 <laughs> and then I'll get yeah, one sure. with 300. What's, have you, is that just the audience that you've built that is that consistent or what have you cracked there in the code to keep that consistent viewership in your reels? Well, one thing that I do, and this might be helpful for your audience, but, uh, you know, I'm not an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. I, I don't particularly like social media as a channel. Like I, I, I love the fact that maybe I am able to actually connect with people, but I find most content on social is just insufferable. It's just people posting pictures of themselves, how great their lives are. Mm. And so for a long time, I, I res- I'm a, a very private person, right? I resisted like doing that. So my brand manager, my creative brand manager sat me down at the beginning of the year, Annette Torres. And she said to me, she goes, listen, you, like she's basically gave me like the, uh, the tough love speech. She's like, you got to show up because if we're a marketing company and you're not doing this, you know, you're a fraud. Mm. Uh, she didn't say that. Right. Cause I'm a boss, but she said that <laughs> right? And, and sort of no uncertain terms. So I said, listen, I said, I'll do this, but I want to be clear about one thing. My job and what I'm going to do is I'm going to become the most useful person to follow mm. um, on Instagram. I, not the most popular, not the most liked, not the most charismatic, not the one, the one that's the funniest, right? The, 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 all those buckets are checked. Not the most inspirational. Those buckets are checked. I'm saying if somebody visits me on Instagram, the content that I'm going to produce is always going to be useful. So if you look at my feed, I have it pulled up here. You can go back starting in January, right? There's not a single post right after sort of my first tweet, right? There's a transition. You'll see this right in my feed. Like there's pictures of my daughter, there's pictures of my dog, there's pictures of my wife. And all of a sudden, nothing. I'm looking at it. Yeah. I just did this hard switch. And so part of the reason why I think I get good results when it comes to reels and posts is because people have come to expect from me one particular type of content. I don't mix it up. I don't share pictures of my daughter, my wife, what I'm eating, where I'm going, right? I'm just like, if I'm going to get in your newsfeed, if you're going to see my face on a story, if you're going to click on my reel, it's going to be something that's going to add value. I think that has in some ways, to be clear, I think that has limited my reach and my exposure because I think, you know, some of those like personal shots can go viral and can spread. At the same time, it's created a much more consistent and predictable you know, and highly uh, targeted for the brand. Yeah. I'm sorry. Highly targeted for who you're trying to yeah. reach. I imagine also. Yeah. And, and here's a pro tip for, for your audience. Cause you know, we didn't have a chance to talk about advertising yet. Uh, but I know you guys, you guys are, we were talking earlier about, you know, all the changes in advertising. One of the things that we do that's been so effective because I got 7,500 followers on Instagram. Uh, but I think if you look at my engagement per follower, it's, it's probably up in the top like 1%. Mm-hmm. And part of what we do with, um, 
part of what we do with our strategy is once something does well organically, we put some juice behind it. Yeah. We'll start advertising it, right? And this is, this is one of the best ways to grow your following in an organic way, even though you're using paid advertising, but in a way that you're building a really good following, not just buying a bunch of followers. Um, you know, I've, I saw some guy on a podcast recently who was bragging about having 200,000 followers. I went to his account. I'm like, what is this dude doing? And he's got like five likes on his posts. So that's a problem. You know, buy, buy, like <laughs> buying 200,000 followers is, is not a good use of your capital, yeah. right? Like I'd rather have a 500 super engaged followers yep. and connections than 200,000 just for vanity's sake. So what we do is when something does well on, on, on Instagram, we will, um, we will use that and we'll repurpose that as a Facebook ad, repurpose that as a retargeting campaign, as a way to help build up our brand recognition and help build up the sort of affinity we're trying to create with the curator brand. Do you boost to your current audience or do you do like a lookalike audience or who are you targeting when you boost it? Uh, the content. Yeah, we, we do. Uh, so we have filters that, as you know, real estate agents can't use. So real, a realtor can't use a lookalike audience, right? Which is insane. So you can't use a lookalike audience and with targeting. And just to be clear, what a lookalike audience is for your audience is it, you uh, can upload a, a list of customers. You can choose an event on your website, like let's say a conversion. And you can say, Hey, Facebook, I want you to find people who are like this group of people. Um, and it, that's the sort of simplest way I can explain it. You can't do that as a realtor. So for us, we look at interest. I'll look at like legitimate accounts and say, I want to target people who are already following this account. Now, okay. the challenge of that is if they bought their followers, you're going to target people who you really don't want to target. But then also what I do is I, I like to retarget our audiences <clears throat> based on people who are visiting our website. Like I, that's a really good indication for us. You know, we got enough traffic coming to our website that I can, I, if they come to our website, I want them to start seeing me on Facebook. I want them to start seeing me on Love IG. Yep. I want them to make that connection. Right. So you can lose, use lookalikes. We have, you can use interests. We have, I personally like that retargeting strategy off of website visits. So now they're seeing our websites, they're getting our emails and they're seeing us on social. And that feels like sort of the triple threat for me. Yeah. It's the omnipresence. Have you come up with any, or have you seen from your posting, like a certain amount of posts or a day drive success, certain amount of stories? I mean, we've had people on the show, like I think it was Ed and I have a great respect for Ed. He's a, incredible on Instagram, Ed Stulak. But he was saying like, you should do like five stories a day is where he found he would get the most um, return. But have you found anything from your posting schedules or anything like that? Well, listen, I'm, I'm playing a different game than Ed. Um, with all due respect to Ed, I'm not, I'm not looking to get in everyone's face all the time. I'm trying to make sure that every touch point is one that's a positive touch point. I think when you put that, that level of um, output out there, it becomes incredibly hard to, uh, to maintain quality. And so for me, I'm, I'm playing the marathon. Okay. I'm not looking, I'm not looking to win this week. I'm looking to win this decade. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I'm thinking about whatever I can produce as high quality. I'm going to do that. And I have gaps in my schedule. Right. I think that was one of the first things early on. I had to get ramped. I had to get into Ed's credit. Ed's absolutely spot on when you're trying to build that presence you have to push this thing hard. You got to do maybe a couple stories a day. You got to do three to five posts a week, right? But once you establish 
that sort of momentum, you can keep it going with far less content. I'll post once to twice a week, one to two stories, right? On Instagram. And that's kind of good enough. And keep in mind, while that's happening, I'm still promoting through advertising mm. my best performing stuff. So I'm, I'm producing new content to keep my existing audience engaged. And I'm producing, I'm, I'm, I'm amplifying my uh, high performing content to attract a new audience. And that gives it kind of, it kind of alleviates the pressure valve of that five stories a day, and yeah. five posts a day, because quality is, is incredibly important to any brand. And it's very difficult to maintain it when the, when the output is that high. It's the question on every real estate agent's mind. How do I get leads? Lead magnets entice prospects to give you their contact information in exchange for something they find compelling. Discover the best practices and strategies for creating a lead magnet with our free ebook, Lead Generation for Real Estate Agents. Successful internet marketers routinely use lead magnets to grow their email lists, and with this resource, now you can too. Go to ReminderMedia.com slash lead generation and download this free resource today. That's ReminderMedia.com slash lead generation. Take action on this today. I love that. I love the mindset of running the marathon. Uh, I think um, that's a good word even for myself. I think when you get in it and you're trying like our podcast, right? Stay paid. It's like, yeah, you're trying, you're trying so, so hard to push it out there, but you have to remind yourself, hey, look, it's in the consistency over time. I, I kind of want to switch gears because I know, you know, I want to cover a ton of stuff here, but I really want to pick your brain on advertising, especially you guys released your accelerator program, right? And mm-hmm. it's a way to stay competitive without having to be using the Zillows and the Realtor.coms. I was watching an interview from a, a gentleman was being interviewed, Robert Slack. I don't know if you know of him or not, but he runs like one of the biggest teams in the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, he's down in Florida. I don't know. I think he has like 400 agents on his team. That's like 1.5 billion. But he spends $800,000 a month on Realtor.com to generate leads. But what was interesting, the reason why I'm mentioning this story in the interview, he said he's trying to get away <laughs> from Realtor.com because of what's happening with Zillow and what they're doing in Realtor.com is making it more expensive, harder. And he's trying to you know, do pay-per-click now, figure that out, use YLOPO. Can you give us your insights on what you guys are doing and what an agent can do to try to generate leads and compete with the Zillows and Realtor.coms out there? Yeah, uh, man, it's a lot of money to spend with Realtor.com. They're, they are not going to be happy to lose this account. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you know, it, it, so there's a, there's a trend in business known as the direct to consumer uh, model. And the direct to consumer model is a model in which uh, the brand does not use a marketplace uh, or a third party provider to find its customers. And instead, it builds a direct relationship with the consumer through their own marketing and their own advertising. So if you think about it from the perspective of an airline, an airline would use Travelocity, Expedia, right, as a mechanism to get their uh, inventory, their available tickets in front of an audience. Uh, and, and what you find when you're in that model using these different marketplaces is that eventually the costs increase and the results decline because over time it becomes more competitive 
The business has to figure out new ways to make money. And you start to sort of have, it starts to sort of eat away at your margins. And if you think about this, prior to COVID, there was only one airline that was profitable for every single quarter in its existence. Hmm. Do you guys have any idea which one that was? Was it Southwest? I was going to say Virgin Southwest Atlantic. Southwest Airlines. Was it Southwest? Southwest yeah. Airlines. They don't, they don't star. put their flights on other sites. Where can you buy them? Southwest.com. Exactly. And so you can only buy tickets to Southwest on Southwest.com. And so I believe if you look at other industries and you follow the trends really carefully, you start to notice that brands that are able to establish themselves in a market and become uh, not constrained by a platform, rather they have complete freedom to grow as fast as they want to grow, are ones who focus on a direct-to-consumer model. Another company I'll give you as an example is a company called Figs. This is a, uh, a apparel company for a healthcare apparel company. They sell scrubs, <laughs> right? Medical scrubs. Now you can buy scrubs on Amazon for $15, but yep. if you want to buy a pair of Figs, it's going to cost you over $100 for a set. They are three to five times as expensive. But their business that just went IPO, that's now a unicorn, uh, represents this basic idea that consumers are willing to pay a premium for a quality product. And you can actually build a brand and build a relationship with the customers. And once you do that, you can sell them more than just one thing. And I think part of the model that I want everyone to embrace here is that if you can develop a relationship with a customer, you can figure out ways to sell them insurance, sell them mortgages, whatever, whatever your state laws can allow you to do. You should figure out ways to monetize that relationship just beyond the initial transaction. That may also mean referrals and repeat business and other forms of, of monetization. As you guys know, we have a, a major retention problem in our industry. So let me come back to the original question, which is, what's the future of advertising? The future of advertising is giving consumers a compelling reason to stay connected to your brand and to follow you online so that they see you as the primary source of real estate information. Not Zillow, mm. not Realtor, not whatever other site you're, you can advertise for. They come to you. So that means you have to have unique and original content that's compelling that answers questions and solves problems that would compel them to want to follow you online. And there's one guy who I think did this really well in the old school days. And my guy, Jay Thompson, who later went on to work for, for Big Blue, he had, a, he had a blog called The Phoenix Real Estate Guy. And he used to get 50,000, like 100,000 page views because wow. he'd write thought leadership pieces about what's happening in the real estate market. And that would attract just an incredible audience to follow him online. Because guess what? He had information that you couldn't find on Zillow. So I think if you're looking to ramp up your lead generation efforts and you're looking to build a brand, you have to go direct to consumer. If you want to go direct to consumer, you have to figure out a way to say, what is the thing, the value add that I'm going to provide that you cannot get anywhere else online. And once you figure out what that is for your brand, you've got something you can lean into as an asset and build into. So now that you've built this audience, you've got this content machine going, you've, you've got people there, right? They've, they've shown up, they're following you. How do you then convert them? Is it all an organic, natural sort of play in terms of, well, they're, they're going to reach out to me because we've interviewed 
um, Glenda Baker, right? She's a big on TikTok. She kind of yeah, put all of her time huge. into TikTok. <laughs> she got like nine deals, eight or nine deals, just because people started following her on TikTok and then would reach out to her. Is that the yeah. strategy or is there another piece of it where you're proactively converting that audience into potential clients for your business? Well, first off, shout out to Glenda Baker. I, I came across her recently. Um, uh, I, I have to remember who, who, who uh, put her on my radar, but man, she's doing it right. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't she's, followed her on she's, TikTok, she's, she's someone like, okay, this, like, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. Um, she's killing it. I, I have tremendous amount of respect for what she's doing. She's got a lot of swag. I like it. Um, the way the, what you want to do is you, you do want to think about uh, conversion, right? So like it, you can, if you attract people through these, the mechanisms I'm talking about right now, like you should have offers. You should have like, find out what your home, like as an example, um, I saw a stat recently where, uh, like the average homeowner gain like 17%, uh, uh, of equity in the, yeah. you know, in the, in the last 12 months. Okay. Well, you should use that data point as a way to sort of say, would you like me to find out how much equity you've gained and have that go to a landing page in which they can opt in, right? You need to have landing pages. You need to have call to actions. You need to have offers that can convert traffic into opportunities for your team, but it should be done on their terms. Meaning that if you just have a website and there's no calls to action, there's no landing pages, there's no offers. You are going to, you, and you're waiting entirely for someone to say, Oh, let me go to the bottom of the, of the footer to find their phone number and call them. (laughs) Well, that's, that's too passive, right? So, too aggressive is give me your information before I give you anything mm. force reg too passive is I'm just going to sit back and wait for them to call me. Like you're, you're going to, you're probably going to miss out on a lot of opportunities if you're waiting for that. That middle ground is get people to your assets, your brand assets, like your website through compelling content marketing. But once they get there, have some offers that are uh, attached to the content that would get people who are interested to raise their hand. And so the way I think about this is there's an expression I use a team internally at Curator. I say, well, you have to have bridges and roadways to your money pages, the pages that convert on your website. As an example, if someone's reading an article, a blog I just wrote called the top 10 homes that sold for the most amount of money in uh, this, you know, in Q2 of 2021, they're reading this article at the bottom of the article, I have to have a call to action that says, learn more, find out more. Let's talk. Right. Are you serious? Like something that's connected to that article that tells them, okay, you just read this article. Here's what you should do next. Mm. So I yeah. I'm a big, listen, I'm a marketer guys. Like I, yeah. you know, we, we generate millions of leads every single year on Facebook, on Google on Instagram, on YouTube. You got to get people excited about like getting information from you, but you gotta, you gotta tell them what you want them to do. Yes. So provide value and then ask for the business. So I, I think that would be the, the way to approach it. Don't just wait. That's just too passive. Love it. Yeah, no, it's so spot on. I think that that's the problem is people, they end up in one or two camps. One is they're over aggressive or two is they're so passive and they think they can hang a shingle and people will come and do business with them. <laughs> so we got to yeah. ask you, Jimmy, yeah. we ask all the successful people who come on the show. Um, you know, when you look at your life, you know, Josh and I are always about, you know, kind of, it's, I call it the 1% club. How do you get 1% better every day? Right. And how mm-hmm. do you self-development, self-help, self-improvement? Are there any routines that you've implemented in your life, things that you look back on and you go, oh, wow, you know, I'm glad I committed to that. I'm glad I did that routine. It actually made a huge difference. 
Yeah, you know, I hired. Uh, I hired. Uh, there's two hires I've made, and that have made a tremendous, tremendous impact on my life personally, uh, uh, both professionally and personally, for that matter. Uh, the first was I hired an executive assistant. Um, I don't. I don't think I appreciated how much work I was doing every single day that really wasn't the work I should be doing. Hmm. And so whether I was responding to emails, whether I was handling like little, little issues that are popping up here and there, whether it was as basic as like figuring out what I'm going to do for lunch today. Um, you know, my executive assistant, Amber is, uh, you know, my right hand woman where I can, I can, go dark and do things that have a major impact on the future of the business without having to feel guilty or worried about not checking my email for three days. Mm. And so I think, I think the one thing I would advise every single person here is that you have got to find ways to leverage your time in ways that otherwise, um, you know, that you otherwise can't do today. And, and, and that means like making some tough decisions about where you spend your time and not feeling guilty about it. Like I will literally go, three, four days without responding to a single email. Um, because my executive assistant just handles that. And I have, I, I don't feel bad about that. That's awesome. Um, you know what I mean? So like that, that's, that's something I think is some, that something that just took me, it took me like eight years to figure that out, just to be clear. Right. It wasn't like an epiphany I had on, 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 on you know, year one. <laughs> the second thing I did is I hired an executive coach. Um, and it took me a long time to find this person. I was referred over to uh, uh, one of my colleagues uh, uh, had a connection, and so I hired an executive coach. Her name's Kiersey Hall, and she's a performance coach. Hmm. And what I love about having a mentor and a coach like her is she gives me the clarity that I need uh, to be an effective leader, an effective communicator, an effective decision maker. And so I, I would advise anybody on today's call is I'm someone who likes to like put their head down and do the work. I don't ask for help. But what, what you do is if you surround yourself with people who can provide you unbiased advice and guidance, it can give you perspective that allows you to reach for new heights and do things differently. Uh, I think that is one of the things that I have learned from my executive coaches working with her is just how to approach problems and how to solve uh, you know, issues and how to think about strategy in a way that is completely repeatable and something mm -hmm. that I can kind of go back to the well on over and over again as I'm trying to push this organization forward. We know we we have a mission at Curator to to empower the best agents to to dream bigger and accomplish more. We want to be a company that's irreplaceable. We want to be so good that people cannot cannot go to our competition and to get the same level of services or value from us. Love that. So you know you have to be innovating. You have to be leveling up every single sense uh, with technology, with services, with coaching. And so that's a big part of my job as CEO is to think about the strategy and what we should execute. So an executive assistant and an executive coach, um, one keeps me kind of out of the dirt. And at the same time, the other one allows me to focus on like, you know, where we want to be five years from now. And those two, those two positions have been incredibly helpful for me. And I would advise anyone who's listening today to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people like that, that can help you leverage your time to do your best work. That's awesome. awesome. Great advice. All right. Last question, Jimmy. Uh, Knowing what you know now, what would you go back and tell your younger self? Well, guys, I'm not that old. <laughs> all right. <laughs> this might get emotional, uh, though, man. Think high school. Think no. <laughs> you know, uh, well, I'm 35 now, right? So I'm 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 closer to 40 than I was. I am to 30. <laughs> so I'm getting up there. You uh, made it. You made that peak. That transition. <laughs> 
let, let, let's, yeah, exactly. I I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm past the peak. I, I, that's, that's it. I'm just trying to maintain at this point. Uh, the, the advice I would give to my, my younger self is, 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 is advice I try to give to myself every day, which is to, uh, just to be curious. Um, and I think I, this idea of like the, what if question, right. Um, I think when you're in a business for a long, as long as I've been doing it now for over a decade, uh, the operational debt, right. The technical debt, Mm. the culture debt that can kind of hold you back. It it sort of, it sort of strips away the part of your soul that made you great to begin with, Mm. which is that sort of enthusiasm and excitement around like, Hey, we can do anything. Why not? (laughs) And so you have to constantly remind yourself, I know I do, to be curious, to ask why not, to challenge the status quo in order to try to break through. Because you can't, there's no playbook to building a multi-million dollar business. It's trial and error. It's about surrounding yourself with a great team. It's about trying to solve real problems. It's about constant experimentation. Uh, and so you've got to be curious. You've got to be willing to sort of explore and, and, and open your eyes up to new opportunities. And, and that becomes, as you guys know, that becomes harder and harder the longer you do it. So my advice to myself early on was be curious. And my advice to myself now is stay curious. I love that. So good. Yeah, we feel that. Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> never go through that. Technical debt, operational debt, culture debt. Thank you so much for being here, Jimmy. Before we close out, let people know how they can connect with you. Yeah, the best place the best place to stay connected to me, guys, is is on Instagram. That's where I post all my best content. It's just at Jimmy Mackin on Instagram. You can follow me there if you want to get useful information about how to market your business, how to think about sales, how to grow, and how to build a successful real estate team in this space. I love it. Okay. Thank you again. Thank you all so much for listening to Dive Deeper in this episode. Get those links that we mentioned here on the show. Uh, as well as see the video for this episode. You can head on over to staypaidpodcast.com if you're looking for ways to support the show. There's only two ways we ask. First is to head on over to Apple Podcasts, throw us a five-star rating, and let us know what you thought of this episode. And the best way is to share this episode with a friend. If you want to get hold of me or Luke, you can email us at podcast at remindermedia.com. And of course, you can follow us on Instagram. We are at Stay Paid Podcast. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. Guys, and I'm Luke Acre. Jimmy, man, awesome, awesome. So happy that had you on. So many good things. So many good things for even myself. So it was amazing. Um, here's my action item. You guys know we close every podcast with an action item, something you can take action on in your business today, in your life today or tomorrow. I think go get the inputs, right? Mm. Go find those inputs that you know spark your creativity, that spark your inspiration, and then apply that framework of should I, can I, how do I to using that to do your content creation. I mean, those are two tangible activities that you can accomplish today that will help make a difference in your business. Remember, the difference between top producers and mediocre producers in every single industry Josh and I have worked in is top producers take action. Take action on that today. 